Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. And what is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. And since you are a ruckus maker, I know that you're deeply invested in doing something special at your school. So was Ben Owens, and this is his second time on the podcast. You see, he was an engineer turned teacher, now turned education expert who helps other schools and districts organize themselves and implement project-based learning. But if you were like Ben and you wanted to cause a ruckus in your school, what would be the first step that you took in order to do something special? We get into that story and a few others regarding innovation and project-based learning in today's show. So, Ruckus Maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, let's take some time to thank our show sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, which increases student active engagement and participation and reduces classroom management issues. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. Ruckus Maker, is email a soul-crushing distraction for you? It was for me, and that's why I subscribe to SaneBox. Start your free two-week trial and get a $25 credit by visiting sanebox.com forward slash BLBS. I believe that school leaders are doing the best they can, but is it possible to be just a little bit better? According to Demetrius, a school leader in California, the best part of the mastermind is the hot seat. I learned so much from the challenges that we all share during the hot seat because the feedback that our members give is so insightful invaluable. Lauren, a principal in Washington, D.C., remarked that the best part of the mastermind is access to tremendous thought partnering. If you would benefit from getting connected to other elite school leaders and would enjoy discussing education and leadership deeply each week, then we welcome your application to the mastermind. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. We're in for a treat. This is a real ruckus maker if I've ever met one. And uh, Ben Owens was actually on the show a while back. And this is his second appearance on the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Well, Ben Owens worked as an engineer for 20 years before becoming a STEM teacher for 11 years at a wall-to-wall PBL school in rural Appalachia. He founded the nonprofit Open Way Learning and now works to help schools create the cultural conditions for localized, leader-centered innovation. Ben is also the author, or excuse me, co-author of Open Up Education. You can follow him on Twitter at Engineer Teacher. Ben, welcome back to the show. Thanks. It's always great to talk to you and to be on the show. Yeah. So we shared a, a hearty chuckle. I was asking you if your your former school was the the most innovative, right, in the world, the most innovative school on the planet. And then you started telling me a bit about this incredible alliance that is new to me called the Global Schools Alliance. 
you also mentioned that your flavor at your former school, your flavor of innovation was quite unique. So can we start there and tell us about this flavor of innovation? Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned in the intro that I was an engineer. So when I was looking to jump ship from engineering to land in education, this school actually caught my eye. It was relatively new, but they had formed as a project-based learning school. And that was explicitly what I wanted to focus on, having worked in industry and, and saw the, the opportunity gap uh, that we were, we were facing for lack of finding talent. So this school in far western part of North Carolina, up in the mountains, did, as you mentioned, wall-to-wall project-based learning, community-focused project-based learning, so that uh, groups of students had the opportunity to work with mentors out in the community to uh, on projects that they actually cared about. And we eventually evolved that to cross-curricular and cross-grade level. So seniors working side-by-side with freshmen providing mentorship. And in a competency-based framework where students would identify the targets that they wanted to learn and master and prove through the PBL process and do it in a way that was not beholden to you know, pacing guides or, or strict time limits. So that and the fact it was a teacher-powered school and we did a big emphasis on service learning and other things just... For me, and, and yeah, the chuckle we had earlier about it being the most innovative school on the planet, that's probably a bit of a stretch, <laughs> but I'm obviously biased. But I do think it was taking advantage of the, the innovations that we were able to cultivate there in an interesting context. It reminds me, you know, I wrote a post on LinkedIn today, and I hope a lot of people uh, respond to it. But the idea was basically we should be asking questions that don't have an answer in the back of the book. And I think I was probably inspired by that, reviewing our notes from our call, you know, getting prepared for this conversation. And that's just such a, it's just such an exciting and fresh and better way, I think, of approaching education. Can you remember one of those projects maybe that the students did that you found especially interesting? Because I I try to think, you know, there might be somebody listening for the first time and like, okay, what is this, right? And so how can we break it down for them? Yeah. So for someone new to project-based learning, it's essentially a way that you can do a project that students work on, ideally in teams in a collaborative environment over a multi-week process uh, timeline. And so they're working... under a a challenge and it's it's authentic. It allows them to bring in a public audience and sort of blur the lines between what's happening in the community and the real world. So one project that we did, our school was right next door to what's called the John C. Campbell Folk School. It was a folk school founded by uh, some Danes back in about 100 years ago. And it allows folks now to this day to come in and take classes on things like blacksmithing or basket making or quilting. And, and it's the, an attempt to preserve Appalachian history. Well, we decided, well, why don't we do a project similar to that ethos? And we offered it up to the students, identify something that you want to sort of bring back as a teenager frontage that you can speak to and become an expert in and in the process learn math and science and English and history, et cetera. So I had a group of young ladies in my physics class 
And uh, this is classic, really out of the box, <laughs> being vulnerable, no answer in the back of the book, because they chose uh, midwifery. <laughs> Right. And so they are <laughs> <laughs> they are proving uh, like Newton's laws and force and energy all in the context of a couple of them on the team actually had had parents or grandparents as midwives. And, uh, you know, here I am like, oh, my gosh. Right, right. <laughs> They're doing free body diagrams and uh, the literal free body diagrams. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So uh, but it was so cool because... <laughs> They were really into this, and you know these were students. Uh, I can I can just picture the the four young ladies, and they were not particularly strong with math or science, but they were so engaged in this process, and it gave them an avenue of a way to see success that they otherwise would not have seen. Mm-hmm. And the coolest thing was when they did we did the exhibition for the project actually on the facility, the John C. Campbell facility. And there was a guy there. He turned out to be a pediatrician from Emory University that was listening to them do their presentation on midwifery and connecting their science standards and math standards and all this other stuff. And I didn't know he was a pediatrician at the time. He just came up to me afterwards and say, hey, I think you're a teacher for this school, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, that was the most cool thing I think I've ever seen. Uh, And then he told me his credentials and I was just, blown away. So that to me is an example of how, you know, flip the script and just say, what can we do to engage kids in things that they care about? Uh, And in doing so, it just, the rest takes care of itself. It does. And to use your quote, you said they were really into this. And that's the trick. You took students who might not be your your prototypical, you know, uh, awesome, engaged, or whatever that even means, mm-hmm. right? Right. It really means you can sit in a row and jump through hoops and like, right. and you really crave like the A, but that doesn't mean- Yeah, you, you figured just, it out. <laughs> yeah, you figured out how to play the game. And not only is the answer not in the back of the book, you're also saying as the teacher, my way isn't necessarily the right way. What do you want to learn about, Ben? And you say, midwife or midwifery or what, you know, like, <laughs> right. whoa, okay, let's yeah. do it. So yeah, it's, yeah. that's pretty cool. I, I really yeah. appreciate that story. A secondary point around there is something we've talked about before, the imposter syndrome, which, you know, uh, raises its ugly head in, in PBL mm-hmm. because you don't have the answer. Or like you said, there's these free form drawings and just like, how right. am I going to handle all this stuff? So yeah. what did you do as a teacher? Or what can the how can the ruckus maker prepare her staff mm-hmm. for approaching this? There's no answer in the back of the book. The imposter syndrome's there. Who knows what the kids are going to come up with? Mm-hmm. So how did you guys handle all that? Well, I think the, the main thing for us is you, you got to be willing to be vulnerable. You got to be willing to put yourself out there. And this, I think, goes for any profession that's really pushing the limits for innovation. And why should education be immune to that. It, it shouldn't. Uh, you know, we should be putting ourselves out there as well and saying, you know, maybe I don't know all the answers. I'm not the font of all wisdom. So I need to be in a position where I can give my students the ability to work on things that they care about, connecting with the community and learning side by side with them uh, in a process that mimics what they're going to be doing for the rest of their lives, which is true problem solving and collaboration and critical thinking and communication across networks and all those skills that actually (laughs) are what led me into education because I was not seeing those 
as an engineer when I was either directly or indirectly responsible for hiring talent. And this was happening in locations across the country. And it told me there's something fundamentally wrong when we've got, as you mentioned, the hoop jumpers <laughs> going through. They learn how to play the game, but it's not giving them the skills, knowledge, and dispositions that they're going to need in order to thrive in this rapidly changing world. So we've got to say, yes, trust the process, build relationships with kids, and be willing to go where they're going to go within, obviously, the frameworks of understanding what we have obligation to teach, you know, in my case, physics and math or English or Spanish, whatever it is, but do it in a way that's more engaging and innovative for kids, not just the factory model that we know is just not working. I love the name open, open way learning. And then what does that, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So the, the term open comes from the open source movement, as it were. And that's what we didn't realize it at the time, but as we were evolving to, to this crucible of innovation at Tri-County Early College, we realized that what we were actually doing was taking advantage of kind of the ethos of open organizations, the open source movement. And it's founded on transparency, inclusivity, adaptability, collaboration, and this sense of community. And those are all elements that we really developing and emphasizing in our community, in the learning community that we were growing there at Tri-County. And so that's where the original term came from, is how can we harness and then emphasize that focus on openness and those attributes that I mentioned, so that any organization, uh, particularly education organizations and schools, use that same type of framework to flip the script on what they're doing. And so I know we've already talked a lot about uh, innovation and and you're talking about openness there and vulnerability. Uh, Anything else in terms of keys, keys of uh, innovation that, you know, a school leader here in this show, okay, I want to try some of this stuff. What what are those? Right. So what I did uh, with, along with uh, my co-author, and we were both at the time working at at Tri-County, we with our colleagues said, all right, what is this thing that we have developed if we could if we could put a name on it? And so that's where the term open way learning came from. And so the four ingredients that we point to, which I honestly believe can be applied to any school, uh, regardless of size, location, et cetera. But if you have a living vision that the words on the paper actually are reflected in what you see in the classrooms, that you have some form of distributed leadership where you're taking advantage of the skills and talent of everyone in the organization, where you have a deep level of collaboration. I call it radical collaboration. And it's not dysfunctional PLCs that we see too often in schools, but it's, it's by default collaboration happening every day, whether that's students, teachers, et cetera. And then the fourth element, the free and open exchange of ideas and resources with each other so that we're not in competition with with each other. We're not saying, oh, you can't have this because it might affect my evaluation. But we're saying, I'm willing to share this. I'm willing to be vulnerable as long as you tell me how to make it better. When you have those four elements in place, I'm absolutely convinced that your learning organization can be a true innovative organization and can, can really focus on what the needs of the students are which is what we've got to be doing more of rather than just saying that we're going to follow the same things that we've always done. 
So that was a, a living vision, distributive leadership, radical collaboration, and a free and open exchange of ideas and resources. Yes, absolutely. I, it, it's probably personalized, but I'm going to ask the question anyways. Have you seen schools uh, struggle with one of those components more often than others? Um, or that might be, yeah, specific to the school. Yeah, I mean, I see schools struggle, honestly, with all of those because all of those are different than the current paradigm. So the current paradigm for a vision, for example, and I see this all the time when I will visit various schools, I will, you know, I intentionally say, can when I come to a new school, can you give me a copy of your mission and vision? And I use it sort of as a litmus test as I walk around the school that day. And I'm seeing things like on the vision saying, oh, we're, we're doing uh, preparing students for 21st century skills, et cetera, et cetera. But then you walk into a classroom and all the students are sitting in rows in isolation. No collaboration. Uh, do, yeah, doing digitized test prep. Uh, that's not it. So that's a that's incongruence between the vision and, and what's happening. Uh, distributive leadership. Unfortunately, we see too many just hierarchical environments where every decision is made by a single person. And while that can be good in some cases, oftentimes what happens is with really good initiatives get thwarted the next leader that comes in and says, I'm just going to you know, do a fruit basket turnover. I mentioned collaboration uh, and I also mentioned the free exchange. So the paradigm shift is to say that let's do this differently. Let's look at true collaboration. Let's look at just this willingness to be vulnerable and to share ideas, to say to a peer, I want you to come in my classroom and observe what I do. And tell me how I can grow and improve. And if we do more of that, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that we can leverage the existing skills and talent. This doesn't take, you know, high-paid consultants to come in and change the culture of an organization. It just takes leveraging the existing skills and talent that's already there. Yeah, and I think that connects um, with, the, with the idea. You have a, an assertion that a lot of people might take issue with that you can build this kind of culture with the staff you already have. That you don't need the high paid consultants or whatever, but ex- expand on that because you know that's really gonna. You we're talking about paradigm shifts. That's really challenging some listeners potentially right now. Yeah. Now, for that paradigm shift to occur, one has to get out there. One has to look beyond your existing school walls. You know, you have to read books. You have to listen to podcasts like this one. <laughs> you, you, know, you really have to be out there saying what is out there that's different than what I'm hearing. So you, you have to shift your North Star from where it perhaps has always been, which is beholden to this factory model that we've convinced ourselves over 100 years is working for kids and we know it's not. You have to shift that North Star to something different. The cool thing that I've been able to do in the year and couple months since I left the classroom is to get out there and visit all kinds of schools, frankly, around the world that have made that paradigm shift. Now, whether or not they have all four of these ingredients that I mentioned fully active and in place it is a different story. But in each case, they have elements of each of the four that you can specifically point to so that they're able to make that shift to true innovation. And that innovation may be project-based learning. It may be competency-based learning, maybe blended, whatever the innovation. There's a Peter Drucker quote that you've probably heard before. It's uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And and that's the that's my point with focusing on these 
core elements is when that's in place, then these strategies like PBL or blended learning or flipped classrooms or whatever it is actually stick with fidelity and they're sustained over the long term. They don't become a program of the month that is all too uh, often here in, uh, in public education. Mm. Cool. Well, Ben, I'm enjoying this uh, conversation and uh, I think we're going to pause here for a message from our sponsors. And when we get back, I'd like to dig in a little more on the Global Schools Alliance and uh, one school specifically in Cambodia that is pretty unique. Better Leaders, Better Schools is proudly sponsored by Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organizational skills, and more. Organized Binder's color-coded system is implemented by the teacher with the students, helping them create a predictable and dependable classroom routine. Learn more and improve your students' executive functioning and non-cognitive skills at OrganizedBinder.com. Today's podcast is sponsored by SaneBox. Inbox Zero, that's a thing of the past. Ruckus Maker, you're so inundated with email that it's no longer about responding to everything. It's about responding only to the important things, the messages that truly matter. That's where SaneBox comes in. Think of it as a robotic Marie Kondo for your email. As messages flow in, SaneBox tidies up your inbox leaving only the important emails and directing all the distracting stuff to your Sane Later folder. Now you know what messages to pay attention to and what stuff you can get to later on. It also has nifty features like Sane Black Hole, where I drag messages from annoying senders that I never want to hear from again, and Sane Reminders, which pings me when somebody hasn't replied to a message I've sent out. Best of all, you can use SaneBox with any email service out there. See how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a free two-week trial. Visit SaneBox.com forward slash BLBS today, and you'll also get a $25 credit. That's SaneBox.com forward slash BLBS. All right, and we're back with Ben Owens who started Open Way Learning and co-author of Open Up Education. We've been talking innovation this whole conversation. It's been wonderful. And for people that haven't heard of the Global Schools Alliance, can you share a bit more information about that group? Yeah, so uh, this is a group that was founded. I don't know the exact uh, founding date, but it was founded by some educators that were collaborating really from around the world. Uh, educators in India, Denmark, England, Australia. And they began this idea of what would it look like if we took these really innovative schools and we set up a collaborative environment where we met physically face-to-face uh, on an annual basis as well as virtually online and just shared ideas with each other, allowed our students to collaborate you know, across boundaries and really take these innovations that each one had developed in their own school and scale it across countries. So my former school, Tri-County Early College in rural Murphy, North Carolina, was able to, we actually had someone from Global Schools Alliance come in after they heard about our school 
they audited us and then said, you know, welcome to the Global Schools Alliance, which was awesome. You know, you know, I'm the whole 11 years I taught there were out of a trailer. So if you can imagine yeah. this you know, tiny school in rural Appalachia that is now recognized is one of the most innovative schools on the planet in this really exciting organization. So um, another uh, notable school you may uh, be aware of here in the uh, United States is High Tech High. They're also a member of Global Schools Alliance. So, so for us, that was a really big deal. And I had the opportunity to go to, this was actually two years ago, to the uh, annual summit uh, that they did where all the members of the Global Schools Alliance met. And in this case, we met at a school in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, called the Liger Leadership Academy. And I'm happy to talk about that absolutely fantastic school if if we want to go there. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, I remember from our earlier conversation with you, uh, you mentioned that the kids absolutely understand why the school exists. I think that's a yeah. powerful story to tell because yeah. asking a student, why are you here? What's the purpose of school? I'm almost scared to just to consider what the average student around the world might say. But right. this kid said something different. And the follow-up question, I'll, I'll remind you of it because I'm, I'm meandering, but I want to know how, how do we make that happen more often? But yeah, yeah. tell, us, tell yeah. us about like a leadership and why the kids think it exists. Yeah. So, well, first, a little bit of backstory for those who don't know the history of Cambodia. It's not a very nice history. If, if you recall uh, Pol Pot, uh, there was a leadership vacuum at the end of the Vietnam War. You know, obviously the U.S. had bombed Cambodia. And so just a lot of turmoil when Pol Pot came in. He was just a fanatic that um, ended up basically executing uh, a broad swath of the population. Anyone who had any type of uh, formal leadership in the country. So teachers, dentists, doctors, lawyers. And what was really sad is he had this philosophy of we're not only going to kill the tree, but we're going to kill the roots. So he would take entire families, you know, kids, infants, uh, parents, and wipe them all out. And if you've seen the movie, The Killing Fields, that's that's where that came from. So imagine that that has happened and it's affected, you know, this significant portion of your population, particularly the um, you know, you could argue the ones who have traditionally been in leadership type of positions, that's going to leave a really lasting impact on the country. So this school was actually formed to address that. And so what they do is they have students from around Cambodia spend essentially their high school in this boarding school uh, just outside of Phnom Penh. And it is truly amazing. And they're all focused, the students are just focused on building community relationships and working on projects out in the community. And that's why when I was there, I was just blown away. And I remember, you know, more than one occasion, I would just be hanging out with students, asking them what they're doing, and then just say, so tell me, you know, why does this school exist? And with no hesitation to build leaders for Cambodia. And it just, you know, as I say that now, it's still, you know, chills go up and down my spine because to me, that is the perfect embodiment of a living, shared vision. I mean, the reason that school exists and the actions you see in these kids is so true aligned that I, I just can't think of a better example. 
One kid, for example, is currently working on getting Cambodia's first satellite launched into space. He's actually working with remotely with <laughs> uh, NASA engineers. Yeah. In you know, Why in not? This, yeah, right. And this is not like this super wealthy type. I mean, they're they're operating on a shoestring, but it's it's once again, it shows you the power of when you take a community of people and you leverage their skills and talents and point in a direction that we're not going to do anything that's going to make excuses for our kids, but we're going to help them be the best they can be. And it happens and it's beautiful. So when I tell that story here in the U.S., I'm like, all right, if that can happen in Cambodia, it can happen here, wherever you are, it can happen here. So let's cut through the bureaucratic minutia and let's make it happen. Mm. How do people respond to that message when you're sharing it? I mean, in most cases, it's, you know, especially when I show an image of the, of the kid that's working with NASA, it's hard to say, oh, that can't happen here. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think it does motivate folks. But I, I have to also recognize that there are a lot of educators who have operated in the system and they have seen stories like this and just realized that the mountain they perceive as they would have to climb in order to create that type of culture is so huge they're often left where, well, where do I even begin? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pragmatic reality. My response is, let's begin somewhere. Uh, I mean, the saying, you know, the best time to plant a tree is, what, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. The second best time is today. So let's start planting that tree today. Yeah. Makes me think, too, you know, you don't eat an elephant in one bite. You eat it one bite at a time. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times in coaching conversations, it's really helping people see What's the next smallest step? And I think you answered my question. Well, what can, how do we make this a reality in, in the majority of schools around the world, if not all? And I think that's it, is, is to break it down into a small chunk. And so what is it that you need to do uh, today or tomorrow? I mean, so it's that living vision, distributive leadership, maybe it's something around the collaboration or, or the free exchange of ideas and resources. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. One small thing every day, you know, just to model excellence. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you were to put a message around the world for just a day, it was on school marquees, right? And it said something. What, What would it read, Ben? Yeah, I think it would read, you have something to offer. Your perspective whether, whether you're a student, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a leader, you have something to offer that is directly challenging the status quo that's out there. Do that thing. Whatever it is, do that thing. Do it with passion and make it happen. Uh, don't accept the fact that this is the way we've always done it to be your reason why you hesitate, why you're reticent to do that thing. Because if we are going to change public education to make it more relevant and engaging and exciting for kids, that leads directly to the kind of economic benefits and the societal benefits that we see from that. We're going to have to, in each individual level, at that granular level, do one thing and do it well and do it with passion. I mean, what I would say to you is going to be different what I, what I would say to someone else because you've got something that you bring. You, you've got that, that superpower that you can actually bring to this conversation and make a difference. And doing that means, yep, I'm going to have to be vulnerable. I'm going to have to take risks. I'm going to have to do something differently. I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone, but I can do that one thing. Ben, thanks so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of everything we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? 
Um, that you can make a difference. That it doesn't take bringing someone else in or whatever. You can get out there, find find that true north, and you can be that difference maker, whatever context you're in. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.